Hey guys, welcome back to But Why Should I Care with Deanna Huff and Ellie Huff. And we're going to be talking about progressive Christianity today, trying to help us understand how to better share the gospel and analyze maybe some apparent contradictions that we see in conversations when we're trying to figure out, wait a second, what does that person believe? And so we're going to talk about that here today. Yeah. So um, first off, some clarifying questions about um, progressive Christianity, because I had to ask these as we were preparing for this. So to my understanding, uh, universalists, right, uh, Unitarians would fall under the category of progressive Christianity. I think that you're going to find progressive Christianity within those churches Mm -hmm. that, especially on the East Coast, we've been on the East Coast a lot and seen a lot of these in the Boston area and Mm -hmm. other areas along that way. But yeah, they're, they're going to be very inclusive and they're, they're going to the point of, um, neglecting truth, right? Yeah. In fact, they're going to probably say that they're really, there is not a certainty of knowing things. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you really can't establish that one person has an authoritative truth. Mm-hmm. So you see this a lot today in the ideas that like people want to be the, the acceptors of God, not, not of God, but of Jesus. And they say, Oh, we love, we love Jesus. And they could say we we love God, but we don't necessarily want to partake in the um, ideas of hell, the ideas of um, brokenness, right? And like Mm -hmm. being sinful, like we are good people and maybe God created us and we respect Jesus because he is a good moral lawgiver. Yeah. And, you know, I think it'd be a good idea to think about where this comes from and kind of look at the tenets of what it came out of Mm -hmm. and that's going to take us back to liberal theology with Schleiermacher and a couple of years ago I was actually doing a presentation my PhD studies on progressive Christianity and as I was studying it and I was looking into the details of it I was wanting to know what because I couldn't decipher really Mm-hmm. between liberal theology and progressive Christianity. I couldn't nail down some of the points. Right. And I think you'll see why here in just a second. But I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who has passed away since then. And he was a liberal theologian. Mm-hmm. And why well, I say liberal theologian. He believed in liberal theology. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. not a theologian. Yeah. But anyways, so he was telling me that you know i held too much to the authority of god's word and that i you know i shouldn't do that and so as i looked back into it i was like where did this all begin in the ideas of liberalism and so frederick schleiermacher mm-hmm. back in the 1800s he really stimulated these new ways of conceiving theology. He's what's called the father of liberal theology, mm-hmm. and it really br- springboards us into progressive Christianity. So yeah. I want to just share a couple of thoughts on him and the tenets of what we would see in right. in liberal theology. So he was one of the ones that, according to religion, it, religion really is not a form for him of knowing, but a form of doing. It's experiencing. You might yeah, because he was a romanticist. Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting about the Romantic period is it it followed um, the Enlightenment period. Mm-hmm. So the Enlightenment period followed like fell in the time of the Industrial Revolution and sparked the Industrial Revolution, which was a time of invention and a time of um, you know improvements in science. 
And this was a time when, um, you know, absolute truths exist, but man felt that we were um, limited to our, you know, human capabilities. There wasn't much we could do past like, you know, um, creating, inventing and all of these things, which was a really good thing that ended up bringing like uh, the nations like out of poverty, which is what industry does. But um, it wasn't as though there was much imagination. There wasn't much um, hope and joy in like becoming who you are. It was like, we are all man and we are all capable of the same things as long as we work hard and like adhere to, you know, these truths that exist and continue to seek uh, truth through science, which was a good thing because of invention, but it also um, brought the people to a time of neglecting God because of science. Um, all that to say, um, the Industrial Revolution led to class systems and uh, they became more prominent because of wealth gaps and things of that assortment. So obviously following the Enlightenment period were um, the next generation was the Romantic period. And this was a period um, that was a reaction against Enlightenment reason. So as opposed to being um, adhering only to Enlightenment reason, they were uh, the type of people that um, sought personal growth in themselves and neglected um, like truth, goodness, and like um, objectives and transcendentals of that sort, but really truly sought to become um, loving people who um, sought the best for themselves personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They would tend to neglect society and seek solitude in nature and derive energy from nature. Uh, the romantic period is really interesting, but, um, and the purpose driving the romantics was this like feeling of the sublime and the feeling of the infinite. So you'll see romantic um, thinkers like Goethe, William Blake, John Keats, uh, Mary Shelley, like these are all um, authors and poets and um, just thinkers who truly sought the beautiful, but neglected that there was truth and goodness. So they kind of lived in any way they wanted to in order to like achieve their own personal goals, which you can see in the writing isn't necessarily satisfying, but um, they thought that you would just like continue and like the purpose of life is in like the trying to achieve the infinite. Yeah, and, and really the emphasis on the experience is definitely going to be there because they, they were so uh, zoned in on the scientific method way of thinking that they had moved away from being able to experience and feel mm -hmm. You know these ideas yes. of God, and so for Schleiermacher, theology became more of a discussion of what humans experience about God, yeah. rather than the exploration of what God says about God. Right. It's the difference between like knowing God and experiencing God. You need both. Yeah, that's exactly so. right. Well, you know, and there is this that you know his belief system basically. What it did is it left doctrinal claims behind, and I and I want to be generous because here here I want to say that when when you meet someone who might be a progressive Christian, let me tell you something. They uh, anyone that I have met that has been 
someone who who holds to progressive Christianity today have has fallen under a very generous spirit they're very kind they want to give they they want to love people and so the, these people are very approachable and and they want to help but the neglect here is is what i see with schleilemacher and liberal theology which is leaving the doctrinal claims behind and focusing yeah. more on how you treat your neighbor with goodness but it's absent of a an authoritative truth right yeah so there's, because they there's, don't necessarily believe in a transcendental like even when they look at the bible they like the ideas of it they like the morals within it but it's more anagogical is that how you say it like it's it's analogy um and like metaphor and there's more of like what can you derive from the text as opposed to like what's in the text and you're supposed to adhere to right yeah it's yeah a couple of more things about Schleiermacher that I want to mention is that the train really derails, goes off the track when they try to emphasize that experience is a reference point, right? Right, right. exactly. And that's going to be problematic. Or if there's a reworking definition of Christ being God in the flesh, you know, changing the the tenets of Christianity. And we know that Paul dealt with this, of course. So this isn't anything new. In the book of Galatians, he stated, he said, I'm astonished that so many of you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so it's not like these ideas are new, but just the tenets of liberalism that we could kind of identify as what liberal theology would be undergirded by would be they don't see that the bible is god breathed right they definitely don't think the virgin birth is significant and it's basically a myth and that jesus did not necessarily rise bodily in fact my friend you know constantly stated it was some kind of spiritual resurrection and then they believed that Jesus was a good moral teacher, but that there were no miracles. And that was a big deal because Schleiermacher really subtracted the miracles from Christianity as he was moving into his liberal theology. Hell was not real for them. Most of the books were not written by a traditional author in liberal theology. And also, at the end of the day, loving your neighbor becomes the most important aspect. So it really becomes this experience of the here and now, and you're yes. really not thinking about the afterlife. And I think that's these these tenets we can look at and go, wow, I, like there's a lot of these that have similarities to progressive Christianity. Now, I know that someone who's in progressive Christianity might say, well, wait a second, we don't hold to any creeds or doctrines. Mm-hmm. But you do have to put wording on what they identify as. And I think Michael Kruger did a really good job when he came out with the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. It's a really short read. And he just talks about the ideas that you're going to hear among progressive Christians. Mm -hmm. Now, Alyssa Childers also has a book that recently came out, I think in the last year or so. I, I haven't personally read it, but I've heard her speak on progressive Christianity. And this was a... I don't know, maybe a year and a half after I had done my presentation, I thought, wow, I am so thankful that people are talking about this. She has a great story to tell, and I think she's really clear in how she shares 
you know, that progressive Christianity really is another gospel and how important mm-hmm. it is for the church to talk about it. Right. But some of the things that they would adhere to that we mentioned in the beginning, Ellie, as you were mentioning, mm-hmm. is, you know, this whole idea of experience of the here and now. They're, they're very concerned with this idea of humanity and suffering and Jesus is the model for this kind of living and he's not the object of worship necessarily mm-hmm. but he's just this model it's it's affirming people's potential rather than yes. their brokenness exactly and that's where you can see that like romantic period idea of yeah. like embracing um who you are and being um all that you think that you can be there's no there's nothing wrong with you but you know the things that you know you're experiencing the suffering is good because you're growing from that but it's not necessarily that it's bad or wrong Mm -hmm. but that it's just your experience Mm -hmm. and so um the whole idea of sin would be neglected and that's why hell they don't necessarily need a hell because no one's in the wrong um, but we know as Christians uh, that that is that is wrong and that that ends in a very sad um, eternity. So, yeah, and it sounds so good on the surface because like they say things like, you know, your behavior, the way you treat one another is is more important than anything. So they'd say something like gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, but how do you have correct behavior With if no you don't have standard. right belief? Yeah. There's no standard of truth because you don't have belief. So how do you make the, you know, decision of what is right and what is wrong? And then maybe they would go the route of, you know, um, like Kantian ethics, which is like the rational person can make that decision and you would only do to others as you'd wish done to you, you know. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, well, where do you see that? Like, where do you derive that knowledge? Like, how do you, why do you think that we're even rational beings? Well, probably because of God created us and probably because that's literally a verse from the Bible. You know? Yeah. And yeah. That's what's interesting. So, I mean, they could go that route, but we can see that like their standard is still directly coming from the Bible because it has a baseline of truth and it has a baseline of goodness and beauty that we can adhere to. And they would definitely say that they, you know, use the Bible but they definitely don't see it as infallible or Mm -hmm. inerrant. They are not going to hold to the tenets of Christianity. They're going to invite a lot of questions, and that's going to be actually more valuable in their mind than supplying answers. Mm -hmm. And they might even think that we as Christians, you know, we think we supply all the answers and that should be good enough. And and that, you know, maybe we're too strict in our, our way of thinking, not allowing people to ask questions. But the the problem is going to be that, again, there's there's no reference point of truth. The, the thing that I took some apologetic students out to one of the progressive churches and Mm -hmm. just so that they could encounter and experience people who think differently and had a gracious conversation with them. And when you talk about people who want to do community activities Mm -hmm. and meet the needs of a society, they are trying to do that. And in fact, Michael Kruger points out that meeting actual needs is more important than maintaining the institutions and yeah because they'd be against institutions they would be against this idea of you know um 
putting the particular person in a box and making them do, you know, as the institution says. And they've neglected this idea of like a, not that they've neglected the idea of a higher power, but they've neglected the idea that the higher power um, tells them, um, like gives them particular rules to follow or ways to live. It's really about ways to live because the progressive Christian says you should live the way that you want to and be um, loving to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So becoming who you are and allowing that to um, show in your loving of others because like everyone should be accepted. Everyone should be um, sought to be understood. And -hmm. we're all on our own like journeys of what that looks like as long as we, you know, love others that's the that's the whole goal in fact you're going to hear them be less interested about some of the things that have come up in our society regarding the sexual revolution or Mm -hmm. identity they're they're basically going to say we should care more about love and yes and less about sex they're they're not going to be concerned about those things at all and because that's not necessarily the goal the goal isn't holiness and learning to love God and walking in righteousness and sanctification. Even when it hurts people. Right. It would be the pursuing of the self, pursuing of love and love for others and making like our society a nice place for everyone to live and come together. Yeah, yeah. And life in this world is definitely more important for the progressive Christian right. than in the afterlife. And and so you're not going to hear them discuss whether or not you need to repent of anything. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting regarding this is because Jesus came and he said, what? Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to call people to to repentance so that there could be eternity and that we would have the kingdom of God now because Mm -hmm. he is with us now. And we would have him in the afterlife and this hope that we have. And so when we think about these ideas of progressive Christianity, we can look at it and go, well, it's not really anything new necessarily. It's springboarding or piggybacking off of, you know, this idea of liberal theology. But why should we even care about it? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's unique how we, um, we talked about moral therapeutic deism, which is not necessarily the same thing because moral therapeutic deists, um, they believe that there is, you know, sin, there is hell. They just um, live in a way that doesn't necessarily speak to, like to the non-believer and live their life in a way that um, enhances uh, the truth that those um, ends are inevitable and they don't share that with others. Um, so they use God to like answer all their questions, but they don't necessarily live in a way that uh, radiates uh, truth. And we kind of see that parallel in um, the progressive Christian and just the neglect of truth. And we see this in our culture that we can, you know, we can believe in God and we can believe in all these other, um, you know, different types of higher beings, but um, it doesn't affect uh, our eternity because there's no hell. Um, so it's important to be able to recognize progressive Christianity and be able to speak out against it because um, those who are 
um, presenting this gospel are only kind of like coping, I think, with this reality. And that's where you see this. It's a romanticized version of Christianity. This like, oh, we can be good to one another. We can love one another. But there's no hell and there's no sin. And so there's nothing to worry about. We're just doing this so that we can enjoy our life now. But that's not, that is just like a way of coping, if you will, with like the suffering that we're in. And it's not truly expressing the truth of what's going to happen in the end. And, you know, I just want to say one, one other thing here, and that is, you know, in when we look at God's Word, there were several warnings for people when there were false teachers who were teaching things against God's Word. And even Jeremiah, you know, when you're reading in his book, and he says, stand in the good way, right? Ask mm-hmm. for the ancient past. And the people before him declared, we will not do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So even though people may not necessarily listen or adhere to the truth, then we still want to testify and to be able to share what what truth is. Right. And we can't um, confuse the gospel with this uh, progressive Christianity for our culture and for the um, eternal welfare of the non-believer because um, by you know giving this message of it's okay to just be yourself and live the way that you're living, God loves you anyways. Um, we're going to um, you know satisfy that like fear for the time being on earth, but we aren't loving. We aren't truly loving our neighbor by not telling them about the um, inevitable end that is for those who don't believe in God. And so we need to be speaking out against this be yourself mentality and, you know, become who you are, even though it sounds really nice and it's really exciting to be able to experience, you know, who you are and think that that's this experience of God. But in the Bible, it says we are to daily die to ourselves. It doesn't say to become yourself and that way you'll know God. Um, The discovery of man can help you to, you know, can help you to experience God, but it's not... Um, the only way you should because experiencing God uh, is crucial to Christianity and we've neglected that in the church as well but we also need to know God and know him by his word so that we don't um, produce a false understanding of God or like a um, just even how would you say just like a a skewed idea of God something Mm -hmm. like that you think Mm -hmm. Um, because God is all loving um, but he is also just, and he also, you know, he he loves us, but he's also going to send those who don't believe in him and who don't want to be with him to hell. That's that's just like the, the truth that we're supposed to deliver. Uh, so that's important, um, a reason that why we should care and have this discussion. Uh, lastly, I we kind of talked about being able to um, detect inconsistencies in the gospel and in the message. So these logical inconsistencies, um, you know, you look at um, people who adhere to this progressive Christianity and you say, like, how can you both believe in the truth of the gospel um, and also say that there is not necessarily a transcendent truth or an objective reading of the Bible, you know? And these are good questions to be able to ask yes god is all loving but in the bible it says that there's a house so like how do you rationalize that you know um bringing these logical questions to the table that they are like challenged and have to ask so those are all good um things to think about when 
di um, discerning what you're going to say to someone who believes in progressive Christianity. So we should care because what does it really look like to love others? It looks like sharing both the truth um, and in love. So I hope this one made you think a little bit. Thanks for listening to us. I uh, hope you come back next time.